Welcome to Boating Insights. This is a podcast about achieving your boating dreams, brought to you by Above and Beyond Boating. We deliver the leading courses to skipper your own boat. Well, hi there. Welcome back to Boating Insights. My name is Neil Driscoll, and today I'm going to be talking to you about making tide your friend. So, one of the things we've got to look at for your understanding a tide is what is going to be how is it going to impact on your trip so there's a couple of areas we might be looking at here one is flow so the direction of travel and is it with you helping you go faster is it across you potentially pushing you into something is it coming into you making you go slower and that's absolute simplification but when we get started with tide that's one of the first things that we all normally think about is just is it helping us go faster or slower or is it pushing us somewhere that develops a little bit further hopefully into depth so quite literally on an extreme do we have enough water uh, due to the height of tide to be able to do what we're planning to do is is it deep enough it might be that the charted depth means that the tide is a non-issue for you to be able to achieve what you want to do or it, it might be absolutely critical depending on you know where you are probably in the world and also what your bigger picture plan is and then within your trip planning understanding if the you know if it's a question of understanding the flow the the depths or most likely a combination of both of them now all of these things do come into the passage planning the other thing i wanted to mention though with the flow side of things which is really i think one of the most important things to understand with the tide is not just is it going to help you go faster or slower but how does the direction the tide's moving impact with the direction that the wind is blowing because if the wind and the tide are directly against each other abbreviated to wind against tide that can essentially make the sea stand up and give you these short sharp quite unpleasant waves and the great thing about a wind against tide situation opposed to say a wind against current situation where the current might just keep running in that direction for indefinitely when you've got a wind against tide scenario is it should come to an end and that's where the planning really comes to be really important for you because when you first start looking at tide you think oh i've got this amazing travelator like i can use it to depends where you are in the world but you know i might be able to use it to double my boat speed or more in some places however as you get more experienced and more comfortable with these things you quickly realize that the ideal time to get yourself to the locations where the tide is really strong can often be when it's actually kind of uh, still tide so it's slack water so you haven't got a strong flow in either direction or it's very weak flow at least so that if you do end up with the wind against tide situation rather than maybe having four five six knots of tide going against the 20 knots of wind you've only got one or two knots which is a if you've done both you'll you'll understand why that's a a, a significant issue because it's can be quite unpleasant being in in very strong wind against tide and it's not always but it is often avoidable with a bit of planning now the next thing especially those of you that are moving around to new locations or learning all of this for the first time 
is looking at the ranges and this is something as you progress through our courses from essential navigation seamanship to the day skipper shore base and eventually the coastal skipper and yacht master theory is really detailed understanding of the the range and so the range very simply is the difference between the height of high water and the height of low water and comparing that with the mean spring range for the location you're in will give you a quickly an idea of what's going on so in in places where you don't have detailed tidal stream atlases they'll often just show the mean spring rate of the tide for the uh, flood or ebb and therefore if you can know how the tide you're in compares to that is it you know essentially is it a bigger tide a smaller tide or the same in the most basic of terms then that will at least allow you to know should I expect the tides I experience on this day to be stronger, weaker, or about the same as the mean spring flow that I'm I'm seeing here? And it's it's possible to get into this in a huge amount more detail. Some of you that are racing are probably already getting into a lot more detail here. But if you're racing and you're just relying on a computer to give you these outputs, then that's potentially quite problematic because you don't necessarily know if you are getting any issues with your data, where they're coming from. And that's why it's really important to understand the background behind it. The next thing really important to understand is the localized impacts. And once you then know, you know, what's going on, so it's the tide coming in or out, how big is the tide? How does that compare to the spring ranges? Then we start looking at more localized stuff. So especially in areas where you've got relatively small ranges so particularly a range that might be maybe less than about two meters and certainly less than one meter things like uh, strong onshore or offshore winds they might be enough that they can actually change completely the tide in terms of whether it actually even comes in or goes out in some locations where you might have less than a meter you can find that a very high pressure can be enough to just sort of hold the sea level down and stop essentially stop the tide coming in another huge one is um heavy rain or flooding so start with heavy rain if you've got a large catchment where you might have rivers running into a harbor that are flowing out to sea which is many places that you might be boating one of the things that can happen is that if you've got a significant amount of rainfall you can actually have the rivers running so hard that basically the tide doesn't actually come in it's just always going in one direction or it can just change so rather than maybe having a semi-diurnal where you've got the starting point of six hours in six hours out six hours in six hours out in a 24-hour period then you might find that that adjusted and the tide ended up running out for seven or eight hours and only coming in very weakly for a very small amount of time before it started coming out again it would depend on the catchment the amount of rain there's a lot of things that can go into that but that's something that if you are going boating in areas where there's been a lot of rain that's something that you should be paying attention to and if nothing else even if you weren't able to figure it out for your researching that could explain why things were happening in a way that you didn't anticipate when you were going out on the water and be really important to be paying attention to the visual cues such as seeing the water how it's running across buoys or past any any fixed objects in the water the other side with the flooding that i 
just wanted to also mention, aside from the debris in the water, is that you may well be able to do a comparison and see what the, in some places, they'll show you what the mean sea level is. So essentially the average, if the if the tide wasn't going up and down, what would the mean sea level be? And that can give you a good reading if that's higher or possibly lower, but generally you'll normally see it go higher than the mean level in periods where there has been a lot of rain or possibly flooding. I've, I've been to places where it's, meters and meters higher than it should be and that's where there were you know prolonged periods of flooding where basically the the rivers were flowing down into harbors and and then the incoming tide was stopping the water from going out and the sea level just kept rising and rising so make sure that you're if you're not really sure where else you can go at least going to the weather forecasting and seeing if you can find anything out for your area about the mean sea level, because you might find that's a good indicator if, if you've got nothing else coming in. But also being aware, any kind of heavy rain, floodwaters, potentially it's not necessarily a great time for you to be getting out on the water, and you, you could well be running risk of running into things and putting strain on emergency services. So I'm certainly not suggesting that that's when you'd be out, but if it's after a severe weather period has passed, then these are things that you might be monitoring afterwards to decide when you can go boating once waterways have been opened again. Now, another big one, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, is confirming the quality of the information that you're getting on apps. So really just checking if you're using any of these navigation apps and weather sites that are available for you, if they're not an official government verified source, are you able to find out where the information coming from? Or can you at least cross-reference and pick a few days before you do a trip and see if you can look up the information that you've got and make a comparison against the official tide tables and, and basically just make sure if you are relying on digital sources that you're actually confident that they're accurate, especially if you're going to new locations and this is part of your hopefully passage planning and area research that you're doing before you go exploring. And a couple of other little tricks that I've uh, come across is making sure that you don't get caught out moving between time zones in different locations. A really simple thing can just be to have a cheap digital watch for the boat that you set to one time zone and you do all your calculations on that. So essentially what we call ship's time. So that way you don't get too, or you, you decrease the chances of making a mistake with having multiple time zones on one trip. And the other fun one is if you are carrying printed tide tables, which I really do like doing, then it just making sure that if they change over on the calendar year and your trip goes over that period that you've made sure that you've got the following year on board as well because obviously at new year's eve everything's shut because of all the public holidays and it's not always the easiest time to get hold of a book if you've forgotten to do it which i i definitely did learn the hard way a few years ago once so just a few things for you to think about bigger picture how's the tide really going to impact your trip then understanding the range and what that means the localized impacts be it from rain flooding winds even potentially pressure systems understanding the quality of the information on the apps tricks to stop you getting caught out is really making sure that you understand particularly time zones and that you've got the correct tide tables on board and final thought is on top of all of this you really should always know even in areas of minimal tidal flow whether the tide is flooding or ebbing, so coming in or going out, so that you also are aware if you 
did somehow end up in a grounding situation, even if it was completely not your fault, you know, you know, steering's broken or someone's run into you or something that you, you couldn't control in any way, but that you have still grounded out, then being aware, am I in a situation where the tide's actually coming in and going to help me lift off it? Or am I in a situation where the tide's going out and I'm rapidly becoming more aground? Because in those situations, time is key. So if you're interested in learning a bit more about these, our, our core courses for you would be going through our navigation courses, so essential navigation, seamanship, the day skipper shore based, and the coastal skipper yacht master theory course. They all have an assumed knowledge of the course beforehand, and you have our details, so we'll put the links in the show notes. But if you've got questions, just get in touch and we'll be happy to help you find the right course. Thanks so much for listening.